How many of you are glad to be here tonight? Yeah. All right. Let's start with prayer. Father, I thank you so much that you are here and are present with us. Lord, we just ask you to have your way tonight. You be glorified. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. We just bless you, Lord. No one like you, Lord. None in all the earth. Who do we have in heaven but you and you alone? You're the great God over all the earth. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Your glorious name. Lift your hands up and thank Him and thank Him and thank Him and thank Him. I bless You, Lord. You've given me life and health. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. All that I have and all that I am is, is of You, is from You, is for You. I give You praise and glory and honor. Oh, my God, I worship You. I worship You. I worship you, Almighty God. I worship you, Almighty God. I bless your holy name. I glorify your holy name. I bless you, O Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, praise Him. There's no shame in praise. Jesus, Jesus. How we love God. I praise you. Jesus, I pray. I pray. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. You know, when the early church got filled with the Holy Ghost and they prayed, the power of God came and the building shook. You know, the early church, when they were locked up in prison cells and they were chained to the walls itself, they praised God and an earthquake shook. <laughs> Come on, let's praise Him. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you that you filled me with your spirit. Thank you that you healed my body. Thank you that you gave me a wife and a family and children and grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, that you blessed me with prosperity. Thank you that I've never lacked a dime. Thank you, Lord, you've always taken care of me. Thank you that you fulfill all my desires and you grant them every one. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me a church. Thank you, you gave me a church family. Thank you, you gave me a place to worship. Thank you, Lord, you gave me a country to live in. Thank you that you gave me freedom and liberty and opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
I've had all my life, I started preaching when I was 16, all my life I'd have people come to me and say, oh, that's not how I worship. Yeah, that's because praise makes devils nervous. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, you need to choose whose side you're on. Michael's or David's? You want to sit out the window and watch and criticize? Or you want to dance before the Lord? It's up to you to decide. I'm on the Lord's side. Praise Him again. Hallelujah. It's good for you. Praise is comely for the upright. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Lift your name up. figured there ought to be a video called Praiser Size, but anyhow, just try this. Just try this, all right? You know, when you were a teenager, somebody gave you a little, little rolled up little piece of paper and said, here, just try this. <laughs> and, you, and you grabbed it as quick as you could. Well, try this. Just try this. Just, just try saying, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. Now go on. Go on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. Spasiba Jesus. I'm free. Spasiba. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. about 30 years ago about 30 years ago I was invited to teach a, at a uh, house uh, ministry in Washington D.C. Three, three blocks from the Capitol building and it was all the donors that supplied the funds for some basically underground Christian stuff in D.C. And I was in my 20s and I was intimidated and I don't like that. I mean, there was, you know, everybody had a $1,000 suit on. Francis Schaeffer's best friend was there. Some engineer from the Star Wars project. I mean, there was just a room full of dignitaries there was this one guy really dressed really good. He looked like GQ. And uh, make a long story short, they didn't like me. I didn't like them. So I don't like unbelief. And uh, no, I, I'm serious. It's impossible to please me without faith because I'm like God. The Bible says be imitators of God. And you can't make God happy without faith. How come you're happy when people don't have faith? I, I don't like it because people die. And uh, so 
God came down and rescued me. And there was a woman there with a steel rod in her back. It disappeared. And uh, she starts doing, bending over. And everybody knew about it. I didn't know there was a rod. Everybody else knew there was a steel rod. It disappeared. So all of a sudden, they want to hear everything. Miracles open every door. And we got to have more of them. That means you. I said that means you. And uh, But there was this one guy, real sharp guy, real quiet the whole time. And then at the end, somewhere around 1 a.m., a bunch of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then everybody's leaving, and this one guy won't leave. I figured he wanted to talk. And we come down these steps, and there's literally a walk-in closet. He's kind of fidgety, and he said, uh, could I talk to you private? I said, sure. So he said, maybe we'll step in here. So I stepped into this walk-in closet, shut the door, and he looks at me and he says, can you pray for me? I'm a homosexual. And it wasn't until later I realized he was a closet homosexual. And this was back before I got any culture. And I, he said, can you pray for me? I said, no. I said, but I can cast it out. Yeah. And so I, I, I mean, I jumped on him. Threw him up against the coats and cast that foul devil out. Till the day I die, I'll never forget the first thing he said. With tears coming out his eyeballs, he said, I'm free. Just try that. Just try that. Lift your hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm free. I am am free. free. I'm free. (laughs) I'm free. Woo! I don't know what your problem is. It might be homosexuality. It might be pornography. It might be greed, selfishness, anger, bitterness. It, 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 it just, sin is sin. But if you start praising God that you're free, you'll walk in that freedom. I'm telling you, just, just, just try it one more time. Just lift your hands and thank God you're free. I'm free. Thank you, Lord. I'm free. Thank you, Lord. I am free. Ain't no chains on me. Ain't no chains on me. I am free. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I have such a burden in my heart for this week that I carry this concern that the church has lost power in the earth. And I don't mean it in any negative or vindictive way. I mean, when your car's low on gas, you just need to get some more gas. 
You don't get mad at your car. See, you stupid car, you're empty. You don't. So when I say the church is out of power, I, not, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of stuff that I would not necessarily agree with. But I'm not ever the enemy of the church, and you better not either. There's two, two, two kinds of weirdness in the body of Christ when it comes to power. You got, you got this type like the disciples. Jesus had to correct them and say, you don't know what spirit you're of. So they wanted to call down fire. And you got a bunch of people like that in the earth today in the name of Jesus calling down fire and writing these scathing articles. And uh, Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are. Paul said it this way. He said, I got authority, but it's not to tear you down. It's to build you up. Somebody say, yeah, but there's judgment, the judgment of God. Yeah, because you failed. See, Ezekiel 22 says, God said, I sought for a man among them. Go, baby, let's go there. I don't, I, so, so often I quote scriptures because I think everybody knows them. But scriptures, you know, something's always new to somebody once, right? And for those that have read it a hundred times, it's probably good to be refreshed. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. What's God looking for? He said, I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, have I poured out my indignation upon them I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. See, God is a just God. He, he even treats the devil with justice. And sometimes that justice doesn't go the direction he wants it to go. And here, here, here there's, there's judgment that needs to be poured out, but he knows if he can find somebody that'll stand and make up the hedge make up the hedge simply means when there's a medieval warfare you know you'd use these earthen embankments and have sharp stakes in them and all all kinds of things to stop soldiers and horses and armor and 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 when there would be a breach or a break in that big enough for one man to get through it only took one man to stop it and you, you'd step up. And, and, you know, you've seen enough movies to know what I'm talking about. Well, that's what he's talking about here. It's real. Or it was real in historical times. And God's just saying, I'm just looking, I'm just looking for somebody that'll step up and put himself in harm's way and make up the hedge and stand in the gap and use his sword. But I couldn't even find one. That, that's just enough to make you want to cry. It, God's, he said, I sought for a man. And what is it in Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9? It says, the eyes of the, the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. 
just looking for somebody who can show himself strong through them. He's looking for somebody to cooperate with. Tonight we're going to have an altar call. It's based on 2 Corinthians 16.9 and Ezekiel 22. And the real question of tonight's sermon is, are you that man? Are you that woman? You got enough guts to stand in the gap and let God use you in deeper levels of prayer, supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks. That's, that's a quote right from 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, let supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Why? Because judgment's on the earth. See, God's a just God. He, he, he's, he's a patient God. And He's a gracious God. And He'll push it out as long as He can. But there's always a point of justice and there's always a point of judgment. And I, I've had, all my life, I've had people say, well, we need to get back to the judgment of God when people fall over dead in the church. Well, I saw it once. I don't want to see it again. I had some, somebody writing nasty stuff about me not long ago. And they got bit by a snake. I don't want people to get by, bit by a snake. That ain't, that ain't what I want. Why would you want that? What, you don't know what spirit you're of. I'll tell you the spirit we are of is the spirit of victory. A spirit of freedom. A spirit where people get saved and full of the Holy Ghost and their whole lives get transformed. Amen? Somebody said, well, God's going to judge them. They're going to die. Well, I don't know about you, but isn't it the same blood that saved you that was shed for them? You might want to be careful. Leave judgment up to God. That's not your part. What's your part? Stand in the hedge. Make up the gap. Use your sword. Right? I'm concerned about the lack of power in the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is the lack of, of deep intercession. A lack of a commitment to miracles. And a, and a dependence or a reliance upon the flesh. See, if you, if you look at, in fact, go back there real quick. We read Ezekiel. Go back to 2 Corinthians 16, or Chronicles 16. Never saw this until recently. I'd quoted it, preached it. I don't know how many numbers of sermons I've preached on this. And I never saw the latter part of the verse. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 is a story of where a king before had victory. Because he relied on the on God a hundred percent with all of his heart, he even made a covenant with God. In fact, he was so wild that if you if you didn't make the covenant, they'd kill you. I mean, he brought the country into into a, a, a covenant with God to seek the Lord, and then another enemy came. They had some victories. But see, people get tired and they start being attracted by the power of the flesh. That's one way. Sometimes people get good at things and they start to coast. And then they rely on the power of the flesh. 
See, both ways will take you away from utter dependence upon the Lord. But Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro th- throughout the whole earth. That means God's looking at you tonight. God's got his eye on you. Amen. It's one of the things I I don't know how to get around it when you teach, and I'm sure every Bible teacher in here knows what I'm talking about. Whenever you use your own personal testimony, what I hate is that people look at you and they'll say, well, that's you. But there's a guy that's hungry that hears your testimony and says, if God will do that for him, I want it too. Right? He used to always make a joke. You know, Terry and I, we had the three boys when they were little. I'd come home with presents. And you got to give one a present before the other two. And you give the first one a present, the other two don't go squalling that they didn't get nothing. They go screaming, where's mine? Right? So when you hear a testimony coming from the pulpit, you ought to start screaming, where's mine? Somebody gives a testimony of healing. Where's mine? (laughs) Amen. So God's got his eye on you to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein, now this is the part I never saw till God had me praying about war, to stop, to stop war. Herein you've done foolishly, therefore from henceforth, you will have wars. I don't know, but I, I, I think and I believe this is where James was reading when James said, where do wars come from? I don't know if you ever asked that question. How come we have war? Go over to James 4. What did James say? Well, Chronicles says wars are because you don't know how to pray because you... Stop seeking God with your whole heart and you got into the flesh. Well, James 4 says in verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? So in other words, war starts inside you before it manifests in the natural. There, there was a war inside Putin long before there was a war in Ukraine. You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You, you, you know, the answer to stopping a war is, is always prayer. Personally, I believe war is Satan's substitute in the natural for the move of God and the spirit of revival in the spirit. You just flip it. War is anti-revival or revival in reverse. And really the only antidote to war is for the eyes of the Lord to run to and fro throughout the whole earth and finally find somebody strong enough that will decide to stand in the gap and make up the hedge for the land. Because otherwise he's going to have to pour this out. And we've come to a time where God's pouring some stuff out and you say, well, is that judgment? Well, yeah, it is judgment, but it it can be averted. 
it, it can be pushed back if God's people rise up to pray. And the only way God's people will rise up to pray is if they answer the call. There is no accident that, and everybody says it this way, after this war there was a revival and there was a prayer movement. Well, why do you think it was after? Why don't, you, why don't you understand that that movement is actually what stopped the war? People became sensitive in their heart. Sadly enough, sometimes it takes the loss of many things before you realize the value of life and the the fact that life is, the Bible says, it's just a vapor. You know, I don't know, you, you, you can live to be 100 years old. I, I ain't there yet, but I imagine you get to be 100 and you still think life is short. I, I don't know anybody else in here feels that way. I'm not that old. I'm 58, but it seems like it ain't been but a couple years. Right? And sometimes it's... You face obstacles or challenges or struggles and you begin to think about the priorities of life. I know that that's where I think I thank God. I'm a quick learner. It didn't take me till I was 16 to figure out life's worthless without Jesus. And it is. And uh, I'd lost everything in my own mind or in my own heart that I thought was important to me. And I'm sure glad I did, because then it may, makes you ask questions, and I begin to seek the Lord. Why am I here? What's life all about? And I found Jesus, or he found me. Jesus was never missing. Right? And uh, I fell in love with Jesus. You got all these people getting all uptight about things like prosperity and faith and all that. And the only reason you're uptight is you don't know Jesus. All you want to do is talk about money. And you're usually upset because some preacher has some. I was talking to a guy the other day. He's a friend of the Pope. Just met the Pope. Came to Ukraine. We had lunch. He said some some uh, famous preachers from America met with the Pope a couple months ago. Or I guess a year or so ago. And I was talking to the Pope. They're friends. They're, they're, he's an Argentine, Argentinian. And uh, he said, I asked the Pope, what, what did you think of these American preachers? And he said, the Pope rolled his eyes and said, oh, can you believe one of them flew in on a private jet? I thought, yeah. You tell me the Pope doesn't fly? <laughs> yeah. See. If all you're thinking about is money, you're going to get off. If you're having a hard time with money, just give it all to me. I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> Somebody, they, I used to get criticized a lot. They say, oh, you just, all you want's my money. I said, no, I want a whole lot more than that. <laughs> I want your heart. I want your wife and your kids and your cat and your dog. I want everything for the gospel. Amen. Actually, it belongs to God anyway. So the question is, will you prioritize what the Bible says is the priority? Paul said, look in 2 Timothy, 
See, what's your priority when life finally bottoms out and you say, what is important? What's the first thing? What, you know, what ought I to be doing? What I find is that in most cases, it's what people aren't doing. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I exhort therefore that first of all, can you say first of all? supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. See, God wants us to recognize what comes first, prayer, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. That comes first. Why? Because that's where the power is. Now it's it's sad. I mean, I talk about it, but then I'm 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 a little bit reluctant to talk about the power of God because you might seek the power. See, I, you need the power of God to set people free. If you love somebody like Kevin, and I don't know, let's pretend he's got some problem. And I, the point is, I love him, but I can't help him without power. So here's here's the, the crux of all this is if I go seeking the power and I fall in love with the power, I'm still not going to be able to help him because you ain't going to get the power. The only way is to seek Jesus. A lot of people miss it where faith's concerned. They see faith as some magic wand or some, they just see it as principles, principles, principles. But when when you understand the person of Jesus, then confession isn't, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You know, confession is, thank you, Father, I'm healed. And you got your faith confession, but you got this fellowship with a living God. And if you're making confessions apart from a living God, well, go sit with the Pope and make take another lap around the rosary. So I said, I can't believe he's that rude. How can he be that rude? Because it's that worthless. Amen. But if you love somebody in the compassion of God, the reason you love them is because you've got a relationship with the living God and you've got fellowship with the Father. And Jesus is right here. And, and, and here comes the power. But see now, if you're not careful, you lean to the flesh. Well, we've we got to get you to the hospital or we, you know, because there's no hope for you without this or without that. I'm not against hospitals and doctors. I'm against putting that first and, 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 and worshiping at the altar of man's knowledge. I'm all for doctors. A lot of us would be dead without it. Thank God for doctors. But you can't put that first. See, anything's good can become an idol. I thank God. I mean, anything. You know, just take anything Satan's perverted when God created it, it was good. How did he get perverted? Because men idolized it. Just pick any subject from sex on down to business to anything. Authority. God made authority. Men pervert it. Right? But if I'm going to look at a situation that's impossible, i got to walk with an impossible God. And it starts with the priority of prayer. 
Look with me over to Acts. See, if prayer is not a the number one priority in your life, then I can guarantee your relationship with Jesus is going to get stale and eventually you'll, you'll stop pursuing him. But if prayer is your priority, then you'll keep pressing into the presence of God and you'll never be able to get enough. In Acts chapter 6, we have the story of where problems were mounting up. The needs were too great. And they had all, a distribution to those that were uh, going without food. Legitimate needs began to trump spiritual priorities. Peter, thank God, had enough sense to make some statements. And he said, we need to delegate. Why? He said, he said, we need to appoint some men over this business. Why? Because verse 4, he understood what was the priority. But we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer. Prayer. I've met a few people in my life that I would say have given themselves continually to prayer. Not many, though. That's really what I want this invitation and this message to be. Maybe you would be one. Prayer's always looked upon as, you know, the last thing you do in the desperate hour. Oh man, it's gotten so bad, we're going to have to pray. Well, it got so bad because you weren't praying. Amen. And, and in that act of prayer, you learn to pray. You don't learn how to pray by reading a book. You can, you can learn how to pray, but you don't learn to pray. A lot of people know how to pray, but they don't pray. Amen? I mean, I don't know. Uh, John, how many instruments do you play? You're allowed to brag, brother. Lightning will not strike. How many instruments can you play? 20? Yeah. But I only saw him playing one tonight. I mean, you can know how to pray and not pray. And you can know how to play the saxophone, but you're not playing the saxophone. You're playing the guitar. Well, a lot of people know how to pray and they're not praying. That's really never the issue. Because the amazing thing is when you make the commitment to pray and, and you don't know nothing, God will teach you. And He's good at it. I remember I went to, what was I, 18, 19? I guess I was 19. I went to Ramah. I went to Tulsa to go to Ramah. But I went early. I went, in, I went on Easter weekend so I could get a job, find an apartment, and get settled in. And, and, the, and they always had a, 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 a winter prayer seminar I, that's what I came to winter prayer seminar and uh, I walk into there and Brother Hagin's teaching on prayer and I'm just as I'm as dumb as a fence post man I'm everything every word he says is like straight from heaven it's just remember all that 
was just like gravy, just like running down your chin. You're just licking it all up because it's just so good. Yeah? And uh, I wanted to learn how to pray. And I'd, I'd leave there and I'd go back to this apartment and I'd sit on my bed. I'd wrap a blanket around my shoulders and I'd just sit up like an Indian on my bed and cry out to God. I want to, I want to know how to pray. I want to know how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And I'd make my feeble attempts. I'd had some instruction already by a guy named Gene Olin, but I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I'll never forget a second or third day of winter Bible seminar. I walk in and you're talking thousands of people. And I walk in there just to find a seat. I was all by myself. I walk in there and this guy starts saying, hey, hey. And I turn around and he comes up and he says, last night. He said, I'm so glad I found you. Last night I saw you in, in the sanctuary and the spirit of God came on me and said, you're, you, you're a student of prayer and I'm supposed to give you this here. And he gave me 20 cassette tapes by this crazy guy named Dave Roberson, whom I had never heard of. Oh man. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to Brother Hagen every day, but now I got some stranger dropping. And back then, that were five bucks a piece. This is, you know, the guy obeyed God. You got a heart cry, God will fill it. Oh man, I listened to those tapes. 24-7 and I'm still crazy wild because of Dave Roberson and I can still hear his scratchy laugh <laughs> glory to God so, so the point is Paul said first of all Peter said we will give ourselves God said, I'm looking. My eyes are looking to and fro. Ezekiel says, I sought for a man. Are, are, you, are you getting a little bit of a theme here? It's up to you to answer the call to pray. And in that, God will bring you further and teach you as you go. I, if you're not hungry for God, your answer is to stop dining at the table of the world and start eating at the table of the Lord in prayer. A lot of people say, well, I, I read my Bible every morning. Well, while you're reading it, you're ignoring God and Jesus who's sitting right there with you? I don't know if you ever thought about that. You know, communing and fellowshipping with the Father while you're in the Word. You're not studying the Bible like algebra. Although, I do remember seeking God while I was studying algebra. Because I figured He knew it, because I sure don't even yet. I used to drive home from my father's studio where I worked. I was on a work release plan from school my senior year. So I worked half a day and uh, I'd go to work about one o'clock or two, I forget. And then I'd work till the evening in a dark room. And, uh, you know, printing black and white prints is kind of repetitive. And 
So I had a tape player playing the whole time. I had a whole bunch of tapes I was listening to. And, and uh, you know, you listen to, to the Word of God six or seven hours a day, y- 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 you get hungry. You don't get full, you get hungry. And I want more. So, so every once in a while as I was driving home, I would drive past the Methodist church where we attended at the time and where I grew up. And uh, sometimes it would just kind of pull me and I would park the car in the parking lot. This was back in the days when churches weren't locked. And uh, so, you know, I just go and it'd be 10 o'clock at night. All the lights are off, but I've been, I work in a dark room anyway. I don't need lights. And it used to bother my mom. I'd come home and never turn the lights on and just, you know, because you're used to that. And uh, I'd walk into the church, you know, typical Methodist church. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, I'd go up and kneel at the altar. And uh, there was enough, a little bit of light up there. I could even read my Bible. And I'd pray. And I didn't know how to pray. And the beautiful thing about when you don't know how to pray and you're full of the Holy Ghost, you just pray in tongues. And there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody says, well, I don't think you should just pray in tongues all the time. Well, I suppose you could cuss and watch television. What's wrong with praying in tongues all the time? Because the reality is you're criticizing something because you're doing nothing. Amen. Somebody says, boy, he's ornery tonight. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I was kneeling there praying in the Holy Ghost, and I would do that, I don't know, a couple times a week, I suppose. One Saturday night, I was just praying in the Holy Ghost, praying what I knew to pray as best I could. And what I want to emphasize is I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to do it. I wanted to pray. The eyes of the Lord are on this place tonight because I believe He's looking for people that want to pray. And the Holy Ghost was moving through me. And I was praying in tongues. And just pray in the Spirit. Because I knew, I knew the difference in my life when He wasn't there. I'd come out of darkness and suicide and when the peace of God came on me, I ain't letting go of that. And uh, some of you felt it when you started thanking God that you're free. It's like, wow, what is it? That was special. Did you know you can keep it? And walk in it? So I'm praying in tongues at the altar and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if there's not repentance in this church, I'll remove the candlestick. Well, we had candlesticks. I honest to God looked at him. I thought, what's wrong with the candlesticks? I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say. But I had a Dake's Bible. Dake's annotated Bible long before Logos and Olive Tree and all this stuff. You had to actually look for information. And thank God for Dake's. Isn't that right, Brian? Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm, I open up Dakes and look at Candlestick and it takes me to Revelation and I'm reading some stuff and some notes and I'm like, Candlestick's the pastor of the church. Well, he, you know, like a year ago he killed the pastor before that. You know, dropped dead in our church. Blasphemed the Holy Ghost and fell over dead. So I mean, now I'm now I'm scared. This this is like because I got caught. You know, I didn't know what it meant, and now I know what it means. And it's like, whew. So what? Do, I don't know what to do. There's no repentance. I repent. Is it me? You know, I'm sure there's an, something in me. A lot. So I'm I'm repenting before the Lord. I'm praying in tongues some more. Yeah, I, I'm trying to impress upon you that I didn't know what I was doing any more than you know what you're doing. But he knows what he's doing. And we got to have power in the church. We got to find people that want to pray. We got to get stirred up to realize that God will use you in the deep things of God. They don't have to be stories of the past. These are testimonies of the present. But I just kept praying in tongues. And the Lord spoke again. And the Lord said, go to the pastor. He's in his study preparing for tomorrow's sermon. This is a Saturday night. It was about 11 o'clock at night by now. Go to the pastor. He's in his study preparing for tomorrow's message. Stand in front of him and cast out the spirit of homosexuality. The guy's married and has two kids. I have no clue. Well, uh, now here's the dividing line. This is where it makes all the difference. You got the guts to obey God. I thank God I was a country redneck who didn't really care what anybody thought about him. And nobody informed me that once you got saved, you have to care about what people think about you. I've never cared about what people think about me. I'm not going to start. Why? It's your problem. Why should I lose sleep over... I ain't going there. It just seems dumb to me. So that helped me. Now, I was still scared. I'm not going to lie about it. I was scared. I was, my knees were shaking. But God said, go stand in front of his desk and cast out the spirit of homosexuality. I never cast the devil out of much of nothing. I'd heard about it, which is important. Why? Because now you're hearing me. It's the same reason. You can model some things and you can build some confidence. And if work for Brother Hagen, it'll work for me. Work for Pastor Dale, it'll work for me. Because it worked in Mark 16. So I, the, the parsonage was about uh, 50 yards, I guess, away from the church. And I went up. Like I said, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I knocked on the door. I saw a few lights on. Knocked on the door. And his wife comes to the door in her, in her bathrobe or night, you know, whatever. She she looks out. She says, Dale, is everything okay? 
And I said, I need to see the pastor. Actually, I said, I need to see, and I gave his name. I need to see the pastor. And she said, he's in his study preparing for tomorrow's message. All of a sudden, I quit. My knees quit shaking. Isn't it good how God will help you? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. She said, don't worry about it. You take the first step. God will always help you. He'll give you the confirmation you need. You just give him a lit. You give him an inch and he'll pull you on a mile long adventure. Yeah. Soon as she said that, I, 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 I don't know. Was it supernatural boldness? Maybe. The, the fear left. Now I know I heard from God. And uh, so I walked down the hall to the left. I knew where his office was and off, off to the right. I didn't even knock. I just opened the door in his office. Walked in, stood in front of his, he, he looked up and he says, can I help you? And I said, no, I'm here to help you. Come out in Jesus name. And, uh, I mean, I stuck my finger right across his desk and shot him. And it, it's what it looked like. It's like I pulled out that 10 millimeter. I never heard of a 10 millimeter. We're going to go shoot that one day. But anyhow, it's a private conversation. He literally fell forward and his, his head went thunk on the desk. And uh, so I walked around the desk to the right and put my hand on the top of his head. And as soon as I put my hand on the top of his head, he bust out speaking in tongues. I never prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But when that devil left, the Holy Ghost came in. And he starts crying. And we, we sat there in that position for a couple hours. He just, it was incredible. And I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely no clue what I was doing. And I learned a secret. You just act like you know what you're doing and people will think that you do. Just keep your mouth shut. Because he knows what he's doing. Amen. Somebody says, oh, where'd you get that power? I'll tell you where I got that power. Back at that altar. Back in that dark room. If you can't draw a straight line from your prayer life to your, to your ministry, well, then you're off in the strength of the flesh. You're off in your education. You're off in organizational power. And organizational power will take you places. I mean, come on. Let's admit it. Look at the Mormons. I'll never forget what Christopher Lombs said to me one time. We were discussing a situation where a church had gone seeker-friendly, got full of devils and deception. In case you wonder what I think about seeker-friendly. <laughs> and... Uh, Christopher looked at me and I, I said, you know, you know, what can we learn from them? They're growing. Christopher looked at me with eyes that if he were Superman would like burn me to the ground. And he said, Dale, even cemeteries grow. I thought, hmm, kind of hard to argue with that. I've seen some big cemeteries. 
No, I mean, if you look at organizational power, men can do a lot. There's no doubt about it. Men can do a lot. I was in a pastor's conference a few years ago where I realized what had changed was now infiltrating the DNA of churches. Because I remember when I was 20 and I'd go, you know, I would go to a pastor's conference to learn because I'm dumb. And you got these older pastors to ask them questions. And there's usually a question and answer session. And typically, and I'd go to a lot, as many as I could get to. There was always the question, okay, our church is growing and, and, and I'm on salary and we're getting ready where we got enough money to hire somebody else. Who should we hire as a second position in a church? And when I was a young man, the answer was usually a children's minister or a worship minister. I was usually what came across from the pulpit as wise counsel from other pastors, your second hire, you know, a children's minister or a youth minister. And then here, I don't know, 10 years ago, I guess, I was at a pastor's conference and I'm, I'm listening to all these young pastors ask the same kind of questions I asked when I was 20. And somebody finally asked it. What, what should be the second hire? And there were six or eight of these folks. And I'm sitting there, and, they got, and they're all in agreement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your second hire should be a marketer. A marketer. Oh, what? I love you, Karen Burroughs. I love you. She doesn't even know what it is. She's been in prayer for too long. She doesn't even, she, Stay there. Don't come out. Let's keep let's let's keep her innocent. <laughs> yeah, your second hire should be a marketer. You know, and I, I, it agrees with me, but I sit there and think, you know, that only works really in America. Try try going to the jungles of Philippines and do some marketing. I was up on the mountain in, Philippi- in, in the Philippines back in 89 and out there preaching to the naked folks. And they did do some marketing because they would take a stick and beat it on a tree so people would come to church. That's that. I guess that's marketing. But I don't think that needs to be a full-time position. What do you do in the church? I'm a tree beater. But I'll tell you one thing you will do in the Philippines when you cross the river and you got seven inches of leeches on you and you and you doing all this stuff and dealing with tuberculosis and all that, you're gonna pray. Or you ain't gonna go home. You may be a permanent fixture somewhere. The church has to return to power. And if we don't turn back to power, we will have to turn back to power. And if we don't watch it pretty soon, we're not going to need water turned to wine. We're going to need water turned to unleaded. 
we can get in on it now and stand in the gap and stop it, or we're going to have to get in on it later. And you'll be motivated to stay up all night. But why not stay up all night because you love Jesus? And, and it, are, you, are you hearing me? But sometimes we get lazy. I know I have. And, and, and it's painful, but it's true. But we've got to learn the lessons that God wants of us. Turn with me to Isaiah 59. Now that I've introduced it, I can start my message. Because I believe there's some men and women in this room that God's eyes are on you. See, Isaiah 59 says in verse 15, it's describing a time period very similar to ours right now in society. It says, verse 15, Yea, truth fails. Now hold on. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and, and what? What did Isaiah say? Yea, truth fails. And he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man. And he wondered. You know, the Bible says Jesus wondered at their unbelief. Here are the fathers wondering, there's no intercessor. See, truth failed. Today, truth has failed. Every day, almost, I hear stories over in Eastern Europe, Ukraine, Russia. You know, in Russia right now, people, you need to understand, it's, it's Stalinist. You, you speak up against the government, it's 10 years in prison. Boom. You think they're not listening? You've got a brainwashed society controlled by propaganda and, 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 and controlled by this fear. And it's just growing. And truth has failed. And in that environment, someone wants to do what is right, that'll, that's what will get you in trouble. You want to stand up for the truth? And you're a target. What's the solution? God, God looks at it and says, I'm shocked there's no judgment. Well, wait a minute, I thought God was the one exercising judgment. God was shocked there was no judgment. Why was there no judgment? He wondered, where's the intercessors? Where are the intercessors? Actually, he didn't even say that. He said, where's the intercessor? He said, there's no man. I mean, one Abraham was all God needed to take care of Sodom and Gomorrah. I wonder if you're that, that man. I wonder if you're that woman. To be fair to the liberals, I wonder if you're that person.
Don't worry, God has a sense of humor. He's chuckling too. He's sitting in the heaven laughing. Isn't that right, Bob? He, I'm sure he reads the news and laughs too. There is such a thing as an intercessor. Now, I want to be, be, be clear on some things here before we get into a little bit of this because I believe God's raising up a new generation of intercessors. He is. And uh, can you confirm that, Larry, from our conversation in the back room where I told you to please stop and be quiet because I didn't like you preaching my sermon? Uh, God's raising up a new generation of intercessors. And you have a, you have a, a line to walk as we talk about this, that, that typically the church has gotten off on the ditch on the right or the left. And one is you get off and you say, well, I don't have to pray because I'm not an intercessor. So you magnify this position as though it's not me. People do the same thing with evangelists. You know, I don't, I don't share Jesus because I'm not an evangelist. God, God called me to teach the believers. Yeah, well, you may be a eunuch for Jesus, but you're supposed to bear fruit. Some of you will get that later. I just politely said your balls were cut off, but you'll figure it out. You were land castrated. We need a good revival here. Amen. So somebody says, well, I'm not an intercessor. So then they relieve themselves of the, the duties and obligations of, of intercession. Then, then you, you do have a principle that in the prophet's office, intercession and the role of an intercessor is to be found. So I could say it this way, and I'm just trying to shorten some theology. You know, I'm, I try to do that. God's good. The devil's bad. Okay. You got through that course. Well, every prophet is an intercessor, but not every intercessor is a prophet. Any more than someone who prophesies, that doesn't make him a prophet. Right? God calls us to intercession very simply is if our heart is right towards Him. Because that's what he said he's looking for. He, he actually isn't looking just for an intercessor. He's looking for someone who can intercede. And who, what is he looking for? Someone whose heart is right towards God so he can show himself strong. So I just kind of flopped down on an altar of a Methodist church and got my, my heart in the right place and God shows up. Well, if he'll do that for me, he'll do that for you. He's looking. And what's he going to find? We have to volunteer ourselves. Just like when the, the Lord said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. I was uh, just had graduated high school. And someone put in my hands a book called The Art of Intercession by Kenneth Hagin. It's out of print now. He edited it, republished it, called The Art of Prayer. It's probably in the library downstairs. Bookstore. 
I'm reading this book, The Art of Intercession, and it's not that big of a book. I read it in one sitting. I'm sure you can as well. If you've never read it, you're under obligation in the name of Jesus to go do so. <laughs> it's a great book. And I, and I, and I finished it up in the, late in the evening, and I, I went to bed, and I'm laying in bed, getting ready, you know, to go to sleep, and I'm praying, and I, and I, cause Brother Hagen in the, in that book makes an appeal to make yourself available. And I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, use me. Use me, Lord. Well, that's a dangerous prayer. Amen. Some of you have been down that road. You get all turned on for God. You run up to the right side of the altar or the right side over here. <laughs> Lord, use me. And six weeks later, you're over here saying, Lord, I feel used. When, when you say, Lord, use me, he'll use you. Look out, here we go. I went, to, I faded off to sleep. I'd, I'd ask the Lord to use me. Somewhere in the middle of the night, I come awake and I'm kind of bubbling in tongues. And I see the face of a classmate, Joe. Well, I knew him. And I knew the situation he was in. I'd heard about it a couple of days before. Uh, Joe had been on a motorcycle and he was in an accident and broke his neck. And the, and the word out was he wasn't going to ever walk again. Well, his face, you know, he wasn't my friend really. He was a classmate, but it wasn't like I was, you know, I'd heard this, but I wasn't preoccupied with it. Here, here I saw his face when I woke up in the middle of the night and it was like I almost kind of reach out, you know. And so for maybe 15 minutes, I don't want to exaggerate, wasn't a whole lot of time, I just laid there in the middle of the night. Until I just kind of sink back into sleep, you know what I mean? I woke up in the morning and I, I had this thought, I don't, you know, I don't know, probably myself, was it me or was it God? Who cares? I had this thought, I'm going to go visit him. So I made some calls, find out where he was. He's in a hospital in Erie, not far from the church where my mom was dragging me. There was a new fellow come out of Rama Bible Training Center, Kevin Newber, and he started a church, him and Jim Dumont. Well, it wasn't far from, from the hospital. So I thought, well, you know, we'll just go a little early. I want to go see Joe. And uh, like I said, I'm, I think, 18. So I walk into this. I leave mom and my grandma Hazel, adopted grandma Hazel, in the car. And I go up to see Joe. And uh, I walk into, as I see you, he, he was in a tough place. And I, and I walk in and... Uh, he was the only one in this one side of the unit. There was a, a bed, his bed and a bed next to him and then the window. So I'm all the way on this side of his bed. I walk up and there's a Bible on the stand. Isn't it good that so many people have some believers in their family? Amen. So I, I, I pointed that out to him and I started talking to him and he's, you know, can't argue. It's kind of a captive audience, right? 
<laughs> and I, so I, you know, I'm talking, he could talk. And uh, I said, well, I, I came to see, could I, could I pray for you? The Bible talks about laying hands. This is, this is something you ought to learn. Don't just go slapping hands on people. You might freak some of them out. Ask permission. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick. Do you, is it okay if I lay hands on you and pray? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I laid my hands on Joe. Now, remember, last night I was making intercession. As soon as I laid hands on him, the power of God hit me, and I went, uh-oh. Because I've been hanging around this other guy, Gene Olin, and everybody Gene Olin lays hands on ends up horizontal. I never saw anybody. It's just incredible. I was with him. I was with him in in the in a line to get cake at a wedding, and there was a fella stand there, and 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 Gene said something about, "Can I pray for you?" I mean, we're not. There was no worship music. This we were standing in line to get cake, and Gene laid hands on him, and boom, he's out on the ground. Like, well, leave him. I guess we're going to get our cake. <laughs> well, so I mean, I was pretty well acquainted with being slain in the spirit. I laid hands on Joe, and the power of God came on me. And I thought, there's more power here than people ask me. How come people fall down? Because they can't stand up. It's really pretty simple. And the power of God went through me. Now, I was on the right side of his bed. Then there's another bed. And then there's a window. I I went out. I'm praying for him and I went out. I mean, the power of God was all going through that room. I come to. And I'm on this. I'm not on the floor here. I'm on the floor up against the window. I don't know how I got way over there. And I got some nurse leaning over me, trying to get a pillow underneath my head, telling me to stay down. And I come to, when you come to, I'm fine, I'm up. Oh, no, no, don't get up. No, I'm getting up, you know. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. Oh, my goodness, I was embarrassed. I don't know how I got way over there. I'm not even sure what I did. Did I do a little? (laughs) That's the power of God. I don't know. I'm blaming him. I didn't do it. But I, now I'm embarrassed. And she's trying to find a wheelchair and all this. I'm, I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. Joe, bye. <laughs> and I left. I got in that elevator. And the elevator closed and I'm going down. And I fell up against the wall again. I'm like, whoa. This is God. When you taste and see. The goodness of God. I'm telling you. Two days later, Joe was discharged. He wrestled. He wrestled for his university that that fall. Say, where'd you get that power? It ain't my power. If you can't draw a straight line, to that intercession episode in the middle of the night. Well, something's wrong. But how do you get to that intercession episode in the middle of the night? Here I am, Lord. 
use me. I, I didn't say that thinking about Joe. I just said, here, I'll, I'm available. I'm available, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me. Are you available tonight? Are you available? I'm going to be honest, the flesh sometimes. I heard Paul Yonji Cho talking about how you want to have a great church, you got to pray. He said, God told me you got to pray every morning. So I, I made a covenant with God. I told God, wake me up at 4 a.m. Oh, Holy Ghost, wake me up at 4 a.m. and I'll get up and pray. My name's Paul Yonji Cho. I pray and I obey. Well, he 700,000 people in his church. Pretty good praying, right? So I remember when I heard him. So I went to bed. I said, Holy Ghost, wake me up at 4 a.m. and I'll pray. Good night. I went to sleep. 4 a.m. I, I rolled over and looked at the clock. It's 4 a.m. Holy Ghost woke me up. I looked at the clock, you know, the old red LED ones, you know, back then it would flick. And you know. I looked at it and I said, Holy Ghost, go find Cho. <laughs> and I rolled over and I went back to bed. That's the honest to God truth. I don't want you thinking I'm a Superman. I got flesh just like you. I don't know about you. If I don't shower, I stink. It's called flesh. You've got to make a decision if you're going to follow God. If you want to be used of the Lord. You can have a mediocre ministry built on organizational power or you can walk in the power of God. You have to make a choice. I want the miracles. I've done everything in my life since I was young to walk in the power of God and to stay out of grandstanding and you yeah, gotta fight it. And you gotta realize sometimes you just you compromise. I think my watch is off. I need like ten more minutes. <laughs> Who will give me ten minutes? 10, 20, 30. I can always, I can always count on Karen because she doesn't even know what marketing is. I was in uh, Siberia and I, I And the uh, Spirit of the Lord said on my schedule that when you get ready to go home, I want you to spend some extra time in Moscow to intercede. And uh, there wasn't anything new. I guess I should share that. I've been in cities all over the world. And the Lord told me to go to a city and I never preach. I'd spend three days walking the streets and just pray. Largest, one of the largest churches in Moscow or in Russia. Uh, 
I spent three days walking the streets of that city. There wasn't anything really going on. Then I met some people coming in with a church plant. You know, praying is a part of God's plan. So the Lord told me to take some special time in Moscow and pray. It wasn't like it was anything new. It was like business as usual. So, okay, I'm going to do that. I, I, I scheduled it. Well, then I was in the, this Bible school and come about Wednesday, we got a phone call from a, this was in a, a city called Abakan. I got a phone call from a city called Krasnoyarsk. Well, we heard Pastor Dale's there. Uh, could we have him on Saturday and Sunday and then we'll pay his airplane back to Moscow? I'd never had anybody pay my airplane in, in Russia. It was the first time. It was offered. I paid, I paid my way. Well, now somebody's going to pay that. And from Krasnoyarsk to Moscow is like a six-hour flight. You know, it's like further than crossing the U.S. <laughs> and uh, plus, instead of two days in Moscow paying 150 bucks a night in a hotel, well, there I saved 300 bucks too. So this Bible school leader, Oleg, he, he tells me about it. He says, you know, they want, Pastor, he wants you to come up. And uh, I, so I said to him, all right, I'll, I'll give you your answer tomorrow, which would be Thursday. I said, I, I need to pray about it. So I did. You know, a lot of people say that, and they it's just like the religious thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when I say God bless you, I'm not being religious. I want God to bless you. I don't care if you sneezed or not. And uh, so I went to pray about it. And I, immediately the Lord's like, what I tell you to do? I told you to go to Moscow and intercede. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, okay. 300 bucks in a hotel, God can afford it, right? And uh, so I went back on Thursday and I said to Oleg, uh, no, not going to Krasnoyarsk. The Lord wants me to go to Moscow, intercede. Oleg's face gets all... And, he, and he's like, well, I already told him you were coming. I, I just figured, you know, so they've already, they've already advertised. They're all ready for you. And I sat there and let him talk me out of it. Probably none of you ever compromised. Probably your life is squeaky clean, right? You never, you never dealt with that. So I, I, I let him talk me around. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, on Saturday morning, we hoof it up to Krasnoyars, which was actually, to be honest, was fun because the snow was, pr the, 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 it looked like a, what do you call that? Sluge or fluge or what do you call that in the Olympics? Luge? Luge. Okay. Because it, it was just literally like this, and we're we're driving probably a hundred kilometers an hour, going like this. <laughs> it was nuts, man, all the way to Crestmere. And we pull into the city. Pastor meets us outside the city because must have been before cell phones. And uh, we follow him in, and he and we meet him, and he says, "Hey, uh, our youth group is playing high hockey 
before we go to the church, you want to stop by and see our youth group play hockey? And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. So we go and watch these kids playing hockey, and it was cool. And uh, we're watching it, and then it's time to go, and we leave this big hockey rink, and there's this, you know how you, instead of steps, it's a ramp to go out onto the sidewalk. And I had shoes on like I have tonight, leather-bottomed shoes. And I stepped on this black ice on this ramp, and all of a sudden my feet are where my head was, and I'm, I did a, you know, and I stick my right arm out to catch myself when I came down on the cement, and I broke my arm. It hurts when you break your arm. And uh, I'm laying there, and I pull it up with my left arm. It looked like Zorro had come by. I mean, <laughs> that just is a weird feeling. And the thought runs through my head. I am not going to a Russian hospital. Ain't no way. I am not going to have a Z-shaped arm for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, it literally goes through your head. You know what I'm talking about. I've been in them hospitals. I, I will know. And, uh, of course, Oleg and, and uh, uh, the pastor from Abakan, he was there, and, and the pastor from Krasnyar. So I got men of God around me, and and I just screamed out the name of Jesus and went like this. My arm went straight. My face went white. I said, get me up. They got me up. To make a long story short, I preached that evening. They got a picture of me holding a mic with that arm that is a miracle. And then they finally, they got me. I'm not telling you, it hurt. It still hurt. I was... Standing in faith. But I went back. Now, I should be in Moscow. Somebody said, how come you fell and broke your arm? Because I am stupid. That's why. But he's gracious. And I'm laying in bed that night. And I should have been in Moscow, in my right mind, alone so I could seek God. But I wasn't. But I'm laying there in the middle of the night praying in the Holy Ghost. And just like I saw Joe, I saw the face of a young man that was actually in my youth group when I was 17 years old. I led him to Jesus. And I saw his face. And I started to pray. And I knew I lost it. I didn't have the joy and the overcoming faith that I had when I was praying for Joe. And it just kind of faded. I didn't think a whole lot about it. Made my way home. Got back to the U.S. Called my mom to say I was okay. And immediately she says, Do you remember Ryan? Yeah. I said, just a couple of days ago. In the middle of the night, I saw his face. She's like, when was it? And I told her the date. She said, that's the day he died. He, did you know he became a state trooper? I said, no. Yeah, he was at the scene of an accident that hit an electric pole and the electricity arced out and killed him. And I just put the phone down and started to weep because I am so stupid. The flesh. Compromise. People look at me and they're like, 
Well, that's just terrible. Yeah, it's terrible because I know it. I wonder how many times it's happened to you and you just didn't know it. Because his eyes, there's a reason. His eyes are running to and fro. He's trying to find somebody. He finds some fool like me that says, go find Cho. Find some fool like me. And he says, oh yeah, I'll go and get an offering and a free airplane ticket and don't have to pay my hotel. I wish to God I could pay that hotel. See, there's lessons here. And we can overcome that if we know our priorities, first of all, prayer. Say it, first of all, prayer. Intercessions. Giving of thanks. So I want to ask you to do something. Stand up on your feet. Let's do it this way. I'm not going to embarrass you by having people come forward. What I mean by that is if I have an altar call and everybody comes forward and you don't come forward, you're the one that's embarrassed. If you're not ready, well, then you're not ready. I'm not going to twist your arm. I can't beat you with a stick. It's God that's looking at you, not me. I'm not the recruiter. Right? It's not my eyes running to and fro. But if tonight you feel the eyes of God are on you, I mean, I was just wet behind the ears kid reading The Lost Art Intercession. I said, Lord, I'm available. Use me. That's all he needs. That authorizes him. See, when you say Jesus is Lord, that authorizes him to save you. You say, Lord, I'm available. That authorizes him to take it. Right? So here's what I want you to do. You've already practiced it. You said, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. All I want you to do is let's just lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord, I'm yours and I'm available. Thank you, Lord, use me. I'm thanking you, Lord, that you use me. Thank you for using me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for using me. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm yours and I'm available. I'm available, Lord. I'm available. Thank you, Jesus, for using me. Thank you, Jesus, for using me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for using me. Thank you, Jesus, for using me. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, and you'd like to be, now'd be a good time. Just slip out of your seat and come up here. We'd love to be privileged to lay hands on you and pray with you. Is there anybody here you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues? It's a gift to, to, to all that are far off and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Let's lift our hands up and pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep your big mouth shut. Learn to keep the secrets of God. One of the reasons, and I learned this from Brother Hagen, it took me a while, but one of the reasons most of the, these kind of examples I use, people ask me, why don't you use new ones? Don't you have any? Yeah, I got them. But uh, I ain't going to tell you about them. Because I, I, I used to brag a lot. And God broke it in me. And uh, I had some very supernatural experiences early on as a young pastor. And uh, I didn't know any better. I preached about it. I, I even wrote a newsletter article. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I guess, consciously I didn't do it to make myself look good, but unconsciously I certainly did. And ten years went by. Can you say 10 years? That's a long time. And I turned, I turned 30. And I had a special time of fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord. And I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know why. It just come up. I said, Lord, you used me that supernatural way 10 years ago. And it is amazing. Are you ever going to use me that way again? I, I mean... It's, it, it, it's in your will, Lord. I'm not trying to push it, but I'm curious. And when I asked the Lord that, immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, I'd like to, but I can't trust you. And all of a sudden, like a video, I saw my ego and my pride. And I was crushed. <laughs> and I repented. 
See, God tells you secrets or uses you. And, and the Bible says, when you pray, go into your closet and shut your door. He doesn't say, when you pray, get on Facebook and let everybody know. I mean, I'm just being honest. We've all been there. Somebody gets a new car and you got to make sure that you tell them, I prayed for you that you'd get a car. Oh, la-dee-da. See, everybody in here knows I'm married to a beautiful woman. But that, and everybody knows because I'm married and we've got three kids. You all know what all that means. But I ain't going to stand up here and tell you about it. Why? Because it's called intimacy. It's called privacy. Do you have that with the Lord? Because if you don't, you got a problem. Because He wants to have it with you. And I've learned that when He moves on you and uses you, see, I repented. He said, I can't trust you. I, I wept before the Lord. I repented. And the next day He used me again. And it was in a higher manner than that time when I was 20. And Bob was at the office. I came in in the morning. He was sitting on the couch. I came in there and said, Bob, you won't believe what happened last night. And I started telling. I got halfway through the story and I, all of a sudden I realized I ain't changed a whit. And I just stopped right in the middle of the story. And walked away into my office and slammed the door and got on my phone. He still don't know the end of the story. <laughs> and I wept before the Lord again. Keep the secrets of God. The margin of my Bible where it says shut the door because you don't want to pray so men see you praying. I, I wrote it right there in the margin of my Bible. Nobody will know about my prayer life. I don't need to boast to people about my prayer life. Why? Make me look good? Keep it secret. And when you do, He'll unload on you. And you'll end up praying all over the world because He can trust you. He'll wake you up in the middle of the night like Phil Halverson and give you details of uh, jets that were flying into Israeli airspace and all about them. And the guy didn't know airplanes from hole in the wall. But when he come out of that prayer, God had used him to stop the war. Amen. I want to be used by God like that. And if you, and if you hunger for that, and you guard those secrets, He'll tell you more and more to, we'll, to flat out I'll tell you where I want to bring this body. We, we have to find it somewhere and if it's not here, God will find somewhere else. But God's going to raise up a people of intercession like He did in World War II with a Bible school led by a guy named Reese Howells. And they canceled the Bible school and they had five prayer meetings a day. And seven weeks before uh, uh, 
Germany broke their peace agreement with Russia, which was a surprise to Russia and a surprise to England and a surprise to the world. But it wasn't a surprise to God. Seven weeks before they have it recorded in their prayer journal that God showed them, pray this way, Germany's going to attack Russia. Hoo-wee. Can God raise up an army of intercessors to, to avert nuclear disaster in this earth? I believe He can. Because we're on the verge of some nasty. Which means when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord raises up a banner against him. Let's stand back up on our feet. I just want to leave it there. Thank you, Lord. I'm available. Come on, lift your hands up. Thank you, Jesus. I belong to you. Thank you, Lord. I'm your intercessor, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look no farther. Here I am. Thank you, Lord. I'm willing to stand in the gap. Thank you, Father. I'm willing to make up the hedge. Father, I want to be used in intercession. Come on, you pray it. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Use me. Thank you, Father, that you use me. Thank you, Lord. I'm your servant. My heart's right towards you. Thank you, Lord, that you use me. Thank you, Jesus, that you use me. Thank you, Jesus, that you use me. Thank you, Lord, that you use me. All right, the Lord used Larry Mills earlier in the prayer room. Come up here, Larry, and I want real like popcorn. Tell them the last part of our conversation about that book. And it went from the lost art to, of intercession to prayer. What you told me. Yes. Mark Brzee. Yeah. Pastor Mark Brzee shared this. No, I was preaching on this. Today. No. Uh, Pastor Mark Brzee shared recently that when uh, Brother Hagen had put that book out, The Art of Intercession, there were people in the body of Christ that were getting off and getting in wrong, going in wrong directions, taking things to an extreme. They were Not starting keeping the secrets of God. They were having turning regular prayer meetings. Every meeting, prayer meeting became an intercessory meeting. Every intercessory meeting became, began to become a birthing meeting, and uh, you know misplaced emphasis, and it, it caused Brother Hagen great heartache to the point where he took that book out of he called it in out of bookstores and everything and re-edited it and took some things out of it but he said this he said i know the day's going to come as we get towards the end that these things are going to have to be put back in again but the body of christ is going to be ready at that time they're going to be ready to receive it and not get all wacky doodle about it and and so i thank god for the book the art of prayer but I do believe God is putting some things back into the body again. Brother Hagen said it, he knew it, but they weren't ready then. But I believe we're coming into that place where we're ready now. Amen. Amen. It just blessed me that he spoke all that out of his spirit, not knowing what the message was tonight. And I wanted him to share that as confirmation to you because you're that people. Thank you, Lord, I'm that people. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, I'm that man. Thank you, Lord, I'm one.
You said you sought for one. I'm one, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Brother Bob, I want to just read from my Bible a verse in Isaiah. I forget who, who, there used to be a strong minister that instead of prophecy, he gave verses to people. Dick Mills has a unique ministry. And uh, I just feel like I got a verse for you. I'm not Dick Mills, but I. You ready? As for me, and I'm going to read the verse and then the notes that I wrote here years ago. Probably 20 years ago. How old's Corey Jr.? Probably 20 years ago. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. And then I wrote here, Bob Hawk, Corey, and Corey Jr. Everybody say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Bob. Thank you for Corey. Thank you for Corey Jr. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your covenant. Thank you, Lord. 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 <laughs> Prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to take you just a little step further, pastors, and I'm, I'm speaking to pastors and leaders and it's, it's, it's good for all of us. But there's a reason I have that written in my Bible. Because I'm his pastor. Long time ago I learned. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But to get to you, he's got to get past me. And he ain't getting past me. Because the shepherd loves the sheep. And he gives his life for the sheep. The hireling flees. Somebody said, oh, the shepherd, that's Jesus. No, the hireling flees. There's good, there's shepherds that don't flee. There's shepherds that don't run away. What do they do? They stand in the gap. They step up. You will pastor supernaturally. Or you'll lose everything in this coming period of time. We saw it in COVID, didn't we? 
How many churches that built on, on, on organizational power? It, it's heartbreaking. But those churches that were built on supernatural power flourished financially with numbers. So the pastor steps up and says, no, I'm the shepherd. That thief ain't coming to my flock. You got to get past me. And you ain't getting past me, devil. And, and you'll face things and then the Spirit of God will come because His eyes will find you. I've been on the far side of the world. Lord, wake me up and I'd be praying for people in our church back in Titusville. You can pastor supernaturally, guys. Peter did. He said, I'm going to give myself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. You've got to give it yourself to it. Amen. Now, I know I can go on all night. I'm kind of worried that I might, but so I'll draw it to a close. Let's lift our hands again and thank you. I want, I want the supernatural, Lord. I thank you for it. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in all their manifold operation. I want to see the working of miracles. More and more and more and more, Lord. I want, I want the freedom to know that you're moving among the congregation. Lord, what I've seen overseas, I thank you that it's commonplace here. I thank you, Lord, the miracles of the foreign field are common in America. Thank you, Jesus, for an outpouring of your spirit. Thank you for a movement of the miraculous, a movement of healing. I thank you, Lord. You're not a God who's far off. You're a God who is near. You're as close as my very breath. I thank you and I honor you and I praise you and I bless you. I thank you and I honor you and I praise you and I bless you and I bless you, Lord. I bless your name. <laughs> Woo! Glory, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm sure somebody's going to tell me, you forgot to take the offering. Well, I didn't forget. I didn't want to stop the flow of the Spirit and what was moving. So if you have an offering, bring it tomorrow. Say, well, I won't be here tomorrow. Why not? You lazy? <laughs> Ain't nowhere you want to be but here tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, we're going to have communion together. Tomorrow night, we're going to worship together. Amen. We got a night of worship tomorrow, don't we? We got an evening of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't know about you, but if our heart's right, maybe he'll show up. He will. Ain't no maybe. Give the Lord one more shout and we'll dismiss. Praise you, Lord. Now listen, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to somebody, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. Tell them your name. Ask theirs. Make a new friend. <laughs>